It's the most popular sport on the planet, with an estimated 4 billion fans worldwide. But not everybody grew up watching or playing soccer, particularly here in the U.S. I sure didn't. I made fun of soccer, called it boring, hard to follow, and not as entertaining as football, basketball, or baseball. But thanks to some basic education about the game and a few viewings of English Premier League matches, I realized I had been wrong all those years, and I became hooked. It's a far more compelling sport to watch than I used to think. Tense, exciting, and when played by the great ones, graceful and elegant. This show is for anybody who's curious why so many people love this game. It's for new fans of the European club teams looking for analysis that doesn't get too far into the weeds because, frankly, we wouldn't know how to be that in-depth. It's for anybody who wants to join us on our journey of getting to know better the most popular sport in the world. We'll talk about the game itself, the rules, the terminology, the strategy, and we'll talk about the top club soccer league in the world, the English Premier League, its teams, its history, its players, each week's games, all of it. We're kind of learning as we go here, but we're hoping you'll share that experience with us and come along for the ride. This is Hands Off Those Balls. The soccer world said goodbye last week to one of the true immortals of the game. As the hand of God reached down, not to send a ball into England's goal, but rather to guide Diego Maradona to the hereafter. Welcome to another edition of Hands Off Those Balls. My name is Mike. I am joined, as always, by Jared. Jared, how you doing this week? Well, I would uh, venture that uh, both of us are not having very banner days today. Um, well, today's not the best day. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I've, I've got a house full of uh, kids and wife and no power. Yeah. That's... Um, you had some car trouble, I believe. Yeah. I... Uh, uh, you know, you, you bring your car in just to get the snow tires put on, and... Uh, Ten minutes later, the mechanic comes in because he drove it around the block to diagnose a, a sound and said, well, your axle just broke. So that's that's never fun. Yeah. But uh, I will I will hand it to him that they were uh, true professionals about the whole thing, and uh, I don't think they, they took me for a ride. They showed me uh, the axle was broken. I mean, <laughs> there's yeah. no, no doubting that. <laughs> um, so... Um, I've had good luck with this this particular mechanic, so so all okay there. Yeah, hopefully we're able to complete the whole show because the reason that uh, that Jared's power went out is because we're in the midst of a uh, a bit of a rain and windstorm. So who knows what's going to happen over the course of the next forty five minutes or so? We might have to <laughs> take not just our halftime break if the power <laughs> goes out and everything, if the whole board goes black. So we'll see. All right, Uh, so as I was just alluding to and as uh, fans of of soccer surely know by now, uh, Diego Maradona passed away this past week. Um, And although, you know, he he wasn't a big fixture, no pun intended, in English Premier League, although I did learn he donned the Tottenham Hotspur white jersey for a game once. I did not know that. It, it was this, uh, I think they call them, might call them like testimonial matches or something like that. It's it's essentially a friendly that's being played in honor of somebody often who passed away. So who knows, this might be a thing that they're doing uh, either in, in Argentina or in, in Syria uh, to to honor his passing. What the Premier League has been doing, and, and I think it's pretty classy, is you know this week they opened each match with a uh, like a minute of applause. We're we're familiar with the the moment of silence, but this um, it's almost like you got to put a little more effort into clapping than just shutting your pie hole for a minute. I would agree with that. It's more of a symbol. Yeah, you know, it's takes some effort. Right. So, um, and. You know, it, it's it's not like this was, um, you know, the loss of an athlete who I had followed his whole career and and all that sort of thing. But it it was of significance to me because before last fall, um, surely from my like you know early teenage years, you know, teenage years through my twenties, um, you know, 
I there were two soccer players I could name at that time, like during the eighties and the nineties. There were two soccer players I could name: Pele yep. and Diego Maradona. I had a Pele soccer for the Atari Twenty Six Hundred. Oh, that's, excellent! Yeah, that was a that was a good one. It's a deep cut. Yeah. Um, and you know, uh, I, I just I wasn't a soccer fan. I mean, refer back to the uh, the, the introduction of the show that that plays every week. Uh, where I describe that I just wasn't a soccer fan. I stunk at it when I tried playing as a kid and, you know, didn't bother to, to try to, to learn anything about the game once I, you know, stopped <laughs> pretending to try to play uh, as a child. Um, so, so, yeah, whether it's because of Atari or, or what, uh, you know, it, it, Pele, I think, was on the New York Cosmos uh, back when the United States had its an early flirtation with having a professional soccer league here. Um, and so, you know, even somebody who didn't follow the game knows who Pele is. I mean, my knowledge of soccer back then, I, I will, will use a term that's sort of personal to me here. Um, my mother's not a big sports fan. Um, she will, she will watch the Yankees like in the postseason. She will, generally be aware if they're doing well but you know she's not watching every game but you know the Yankees are the one thing she might watch my dad doesn't even watch that so when I'm trying to describe to, to people the the sports world historical significance of something I will sometimes say um, you know this event or this player is someone of which my mother is aware. So yeah. so if it's if it's quote mom big, then it's got to be big because my mom even knows about it. That's and a good, I'm not that's trying, a good barometer. I'm not yeah. trying to, you know, my mom's a brilliant woman. I'm not trying to, to suggest otherwise when it comes to sports, she'll be the first to tell you she doesn't follow it all that closely. But my dad follows it even less. So when something is dad big, it's, that's, that's, that's big like time. earth shattering. Yeah. Um you know, as and it's funny the things that are dad big. Um, the one that always comes to my mind: Are you familiar with the 1972 uh, men's Olympic basketball final? I'm actually, unfortunately, I'm not. Okay, um, I will try to give this, uh, you know, a, a short uh, rundown because we are supposed to be talking about Diego Maradona. So, in 1972. The, the Americans had never lost. They had always gotten the gold medal um, in basketball. And you know, you'll recall this is back when we only sent amateurs, but you had these Eastern Bloc countries and the Soviet Union that would send pros yep. and just call them soldiers or something, when in reality they're, they're professional athletes. And their basketball team were, was made up of pros. And the, the Soviets and the Americans met up in the 1972 final. Now, again, the, the Americans had always won before. They had never gotten anything but a gold medal ever since basketball became an Olympic sport. Uh, they were coached by Hank Iba, who had been the Oklahoma State um, men's basketball coach for years. He had coached the Olympic team, the men's Olympic team, a couple of times. He was very familiar with international rules and all that sort of thing. So anyway, uh, the Americans are down for a little while, but they make a furious comeback late in the game and, in fact, have future NBA player, future NBA head coach and commentator Doug Collins standing on the free throw line oh. to shoot two free throws with three seconds left on the clock that would put the U.S. ahead by one point if he hits them both. He hit them both. There's then all of this like confusion on the court, and the three seconds tick off. The confusion was because the Soviet coach was trying to say that he had called a timeout. He said he tried to call it in between the free throws. Ultimately, the refs said, well, no, we don't think you called a timeout. We're not going to award you a timeout. So we're going to inbound the ball. It's Soviets inbounding. We'll put the three seconds back on the clock. Now, the reason that was sort of dopey is because the rules at the time said that if you make your free throws, it's a live ball, so the clock should never have stopped in the first place. So they did award the timeout. So Soviets... So there's... Essentially, the Americans won already. So there's there's game over number one. So now the Soviets are inbounding the ball from the baseline. they got to go the length of the core. they got to go 90 feet to try to take take the lead in this. 
They inbound. It's not a long pass. There's a mess. Ball's bouncing around. Tick, tick, tick. Goes to zero. Game over again. Game over. Number two, Americans win. There's now another big confusion where uh, they're suggesting that the clock wasn't running properly and ultimately the refs say, we got to do it again. Now, meanwhile, the Soviets executed an illegal substitution in between game over number one and game over number two, which they shouldn't have been allowed to do, but actually enabled them to bring in this like tall doofus who would play a relatively major role in the third time we're playing out these three seconds. Because even though the Americans won on on game over number two, this is insane. By the way, just listening to you describe this, yeah, I mean, so now it's game over. Or now it's you know three seconds number three, and this time they do execute a long pass down the length of the court. This big tall goon catches it and throws it up, you know, basically right under the hoop, nails it. Soviets get the gold medal. The Americans are outraged. Yeah. Americans put in a protest. Um, Protest fails. The history books show that the Soviets were the gold medal winners in 1972. The members of the men's 1972 Olympic basketball team refused to accept their silver medals and continue refusing to this day. Several of them have put in their wills that no heir is allowed allowed to to ever claim the, the silver medals because it's BS. My father is aware of the 1972 Men's Olympic final uh, and, and the controversy around it. Like, I remember just sort of bringing it up in passing, and he got, like, mad. See, I want to go home and watch that. <laughs> Was that when the Soviets screwed us over in the gold medal yeah. game? Like, whoa, Dad. Damn. Uh, so, yeah. Getting back to soccer, um, you know, Diego Maradona was big enough that the equivalent of, you know, dad big, if, if a soccer event or person is big enough for me to have known about it back then, you could say Mike big, that that's how big this, this soccer player was. And he was. Um, you know, he led Argentina to the 1986 World Cup Championship. He led them to uh, be runners-up in 1990. Um, in, in the 86 World Cup in the quarterfinals, Argentina was facing England, and the game is scoreless, and there's this play inside the box in front of England's goal in which the ball is sort of loose and it bounces high, and Maradona slaps it into the goal with his hand. Oh, I did see that one, yeah. <laughs> it's Just a fist. I mean, it's a clear yeah. fist hit. Yeah. But the ref didn't see it. And this is obviously pre-VAR, so that play, because in a post-game interview, Maradona's, you know, being asked about it, and he's like, oh, I just think the hand of God reached down yes, and knocked it in. the hand of somebody. Yeah. Um, so that's always henceforth been called the hand of God goal. Um, he proceeded to get their second goal in that match, uh, which um, was ultimately voted goal of the century on FIFA.com back in 2002. So, you know, two very famous goals from one match. Yeah. Um, He he played for Barcelona for a while. His his time with Barcelona, not so memorable. Memorable, but not so great. Uh, I suppose the most notable moment from his Barcelona career probably was uh, the part he played in a massive brawl uh, at the 1984 Copa del Rey Finals. Um, to be clear, Maradona didn't really start the fight. Uh, he was being taunted mercilessly by both fans and um, opposing players. They were playing Bilbao. Um, they were taunting him with racist comments. So, um, you know, he was he was punchy and and you know he certainly got physical, but you know he was you know taunted into it. Um, but unfortunately, shortly after that, um, he was you know, the, the Barcelona management didn't want him around, so they were happy to let him go to Napoli, where he really uh, flourished. He led Napoli to two Serie A titles, their, their first and second, because um, they'd never won it before. 
Um, and he led them to be runners-up twice. Um, he held the all-time record for goals for Napoli. I mean, this is back, he's playing in the late 80s, early 90s for Napoli. Um, his record of 115 goals stood until 2017. Um, That's pretty good. Yeah. They, uh, I'm not sure if they they truly retired his number. He wore number 10, all right? You know, he was he was the creative playmaking midfielder. So he wore the number 10. No one on Napoli has worn the number 10 since. Uh so, in effect, this isn't like my Yankees who retire every single digit number and right. just so about just, every... Just out of respect, people aren't exactly. picking them. Yeah. yeah. Because, I mean, every team has a number 10. Every team has a number 9. Like, yeah. it's, it's, it's almost never associated with a particular player because every team and, and every generation of that team is going to have a number 10. But no one's worn it in Napoli ever since, you know, as a, as a testament to, to their, their acknowledging of his greatness when he played for them. He managed the Argentina national team from uh, 2008 to 2010, led them to the quarterfinals of the World Cup in 2010. Uh, so great player, had, had some mild success. You know, he, he, he managed sort of the low-level um, leagues in, um, in South America and... Uh, obviously the uh, the national team, but he, he didn't really have great success doing that. Uh, part of the reason, quite frankly, is because when he was managing, he was battling some demons, um, well-known cocaine habit uh, that dates back to even when he was playing. Um, and he got into trouble with the law for that. He um, had a drinking problem. Um, he... When he was playing for Napoli, he didn't pay his taxes, so he got into trouble with the law for a hefty unpaid taxes bill uh, out there. You know, there, there's this famous shot of him at the 2018 uh, World Cup just sitting in the stands where it's generally believed that, that he was high because he had, like, white powder on his nose and looked completely out of it. Well, that's pretty incriminating. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, you know, a lot of that... Uh, aspect of his history, um, you know, certainly not something to be celebrated, and, and certainly something he regretted. I'm sure. Um, he um, he went in for surgery last month for a subdural hematoma, so brain surgery uh, that seemed to to be successful. He went home afterwards, um, but while recovering on uh, November 25th, just last week, he did die at home of a heart attack. Uh, he was 60 years old. So um, just to sort of <laughs> uh, neatly tie in with, with my comment earlier about the extent of my knowledge as a young person of soccer being very limited, uh, there are two players who were uh, declared by FIFA to be the players of the century, and it's the 20th century I'm talking about. Those two players are Pele, and Diego Maradona, so um, some good company there. Some good yeah. company. So, um, I mean, just the uh, the counting stats for him too. I mean, two hundred and fifty nine professional goals, um, and an additional forty two for Argentina national teams, including eight in under twenty. I mean, yeah. I mean, just unbelievable career. It is, um, and you know, there's been an outpouring of of not just the Premier League, you know, of uh, support and remembrance for him this past week. Um, you know, all these players. Lionel Messi, he's from Argentina, you know. He yeah. was um, he was actually managed by Maradona in, in that uh, 2010 uh, World Cup. Um, and, you know, there, there was talk that they were going to have him, uh, you know, manage the 2000. 14 World Cup as well, but th that, uh, for whatever reason, probably had something to do with the uh, substance abuse uh, that that went away shortly after the 2010 World Cup, as it turns out. I mean, he, they, the tournament was over, and it was shortly thereafter that he was let go as the Argentine um, national team uh, manager. So, not entirely sure what the reasons for that were, uh, but... Um, all the thoughts to his family. He uh, um, 
had two daughters. Uh, he and his wife divorced, but uh, apparently they, they maintained an amicable relationship. Uh, the, I, I think the child that, that unfortunately might be better known than his daughters, um, he had a son out of wedlock back in his Napoli playing days whom he denied for years. Um, I mean, the, the mother had to you know, sue for child support. He wouldn't even take a DNA test. I mean, it was just, it's a pretty ugly chapter of his life. Um, but uh, in his later years, he did acknowledge his son, and, and they met. Uh, I guess <laughs> the story is his, his son had to, like, trick his way onto a golf course where Maradona was playing um, you know, in order to... You know, actually get on the grounds to meet him so uh the, the lengths we go to sometimes yeah uh so uh, a great career great player um, and i'm sure everybody in argentina who's a soccer fan you know shed a few tears this week and everybody who's an Napoli fan did as well so uh wish all his family and fans the best um and rest in peace diego maradona so if you don't have anything else to add on, on I, I don't know. We'll go ahead and uh, and take our halftime break to give you the scores from this past week. There were some exciting matches played. We'll talk about those in a minute and give you the schedule for this upcoming week. We will be right back. Here are your scores from match week 10 in the English Premier League. One match on Friday as Newcastle blanked Crystal Palace 2-0. Saturday play began with Liverpool and Brighton playing to a one-goal draw. Manchester City took Burnley to the woodshed with a five-zip victory. Leeds topped the Toffees 1-0 for Everton's fourth defeat in their last five matches, and one goal was enough for West Brom to take down Sheffield United, who can't buy a win. On Sunday, Manchester United had a furious comeback in the second half to overcome a two-goal deficit and beat Southampton 3-2. Neither Chelsea nor Spurs could find the net after 90 minutes of play, and Wolves beat Arsenal 2-1. On Monday, Fulham shocked Leicester 2-1, and West Ham defeated Aston Villa 2-1 as well. Match Week 11 begins Friday with Aston Villa hosting Newcastle. On Saturday, Everton visits Burnley, Fulham travels to Man City, Manchester United heads to the capital to take on West Ham, as does Leeds for their meeting with Chelsea. Sunday sees Crystal Palace visiting West Brom, Leicester hosts Sheffield, Spurs host Arsenal for the 201st North London Derby, and Wolves head Merseyside to visit Liverpool. The week wraps up Monday as Southampton travels south to face Brighton. That's what's happening in the EPL. Now back to the show. And we're back. So um, before we get into the individual games from this week, Jared, I know you uh, you had some some general sort of philosophical overarching thoughts about the Premier League this year is that right I did I'm just you know I have this vague feeling that the league in general is been sort of mediocre compared to uh, you know recent leagues and I don't know if you've been getting a, a similar uh, feeling well my the only reason I can't say that is because I haven't been watching long enough to, to have a sense of other seasons other than you know I watch these documentaries and I watch the uh, Whatever the heck they call the you know the, the six a.m. before the pregame show yeah, before the stuff premiere, yeah. that they would be like oh here's you know something about the ninety eight ninety nine season you know yeah, or you, here's something about a player um, so it's just funny you keep hearing about you know like this Chelsea team started nine and one or you know all these teams having these sort of meteoric rises out of the gate um, but just. You know, this season just seems a little bit mundane to me, and, and there's just a few supporting observations that I have for that. You know, we have historically bad starts from some teams. Um, teams not normally known for Champions League berths around that area at some point. I'm looking at you, Villa, Everton, and Southampton. Um, big six teams with perplexing starts and records, and, you know, just there's not one or two teams running away with it. Everyone seems pretty clumped up, and... You know, over half the teams have between 13 and 17 points. That's not necessarily a bad thing. It's well, just, just an to, observation. Just to play know? devil's advocate for a minute. So the fact that everybody's kind of bunched up and there's not one clear-cut winner, does that necessarily mean that the league is struggling? Or does that 
perhaps mean the league is more competitive than usual. Yeah, it could be, mean that there's more parity. Yeah, you know, I mean, this is this is the old debate of which which generation's tennis was better. You know, I, I sometimes you know harken back to the early '90s and be like, oh, there were all you know, you had these five guys in in you know late '80s, early '90s. You had Lendl, Vlander, uh, Edberg, Becker, and a young Andre Agassi. Um, you know, whereas in the early 21st century, we got three dudes in Nadal, um, Djokovic, and uh, the best of the three, whose name is escaping me, Roger Federer. So whose tennis was better? Like, I, I don't know. Is it is it better if there's one clear-cut stud who beats up everybody? Or, you know, in the late 90s, there were really only two guys. It was just Sampras and Agassi. It's like... I don't know that the numbers. I, I have you done your math to figure out at this point in the season, the you know leaders in in the table have fewer points than the leaders in the table had in years past. Is that a thing? I have, yeah. Ah, so, see? so I, right I know now, where you're going. With yeah, this. I know, I know. But so right now, um, uh, Tottenham and Liverpool both have 21 points. Of course, Tottenham has the goal differential tie to to claim first. Hell yeah. However. Um, we have not seen a league leader with 21 points after 10 matches since 2001-2002 season. So every season between this season and that season has had a leader with 22, between 22 and 28 points. But still, I'm not sure that, that the one leader inquiry necessarily means that the league play is, is subpar. Uh, okay, so let, let that's that's a valid point. Um, that's just an analysis at the top of the table. Where this really breaks through, though, is an analysis at the bottom of the table. We have four teams that are just, you know, and obviously Fulham won earlier today, so they may be sort of escaping this fate. But we have four or three teams really now that are on pace for uh, either single digit or, you know, teen points. Um, and Worse than Norwich City. Yes. Now... To put things into perspective, there's only five teams in history that have finished with less than 20 points, hmm. and this is a this is a pretty big. I mean, we're on season 29, I think, of the EPL since. Um, that sounds right. Yeah. So if if things continue, we could ha we could almost be doubling the amount of teams that finish with 20 or less points. I'm not going to debate that that Sheffield United. <laughs> Is good right. this year. I mean, they're, um, they're not. I think, I think they're better than they're playing, but but they're playing horribly. Right, they are. Um, so, anyways, it's just it, it's a combination of we're, we're seeing multiple historically bad teams. Plus, no one's really ascending to. Now, your point is valid. That may not necessarily be indicative of something that's bad or mediocre, but you know, I don't know. We're just not seeing. You know the what we normally see out of these seasons. No, as, as I, they're going. So. I I get your point, and I think you know the um, the the negative Nancy Spurs fan in me wants to say your hypothesis is correct simply because if Spurs, Spurs are on top, if yeah. Spurs can be lead in this league, it can't be all that good of a league. So. You know, and th they could still turn this around. I mean, we may finish up with, uh, you know, a team close to 100 points, and, you know, maybe we're not going to have three teams under 20. Who knows? You know, but. There's plenty of soccer left to be played, but you're right. There's, there, there is plenty of data out there to suggest that, that there are some bad teams in this league, and, and there's a dearth of great teams. That's, that's all fair. Yeah. Um, so anyways, uh, moving on to some of the action that we saw, um, we're going to start off on Saturday with uh, Brighton hosting Liverpool. Uh, this one was pretty sad if you're a Liverpool fan um, or had Mo Salah on your fantasy team. Hypothetically. Yeah, hypothetically. Um, Mope shanks a penalty kick wide right for Brighton in about the 20th minute. Um, and then there was one of two sequences that people are probably talking about. Um, the first one happened in the uh, 33rd minute. Mo Salah on a fast break sort of burns the Brighton defense and then strategically pounds it in the ground, bumping it over the keeper for the easy goal. Now, just to, sorry to cut you off, yeah. but correct me if I'm wrong, but but given the amount of sort of celebration that was allowed to take place on the field, 
and the amount of time it took before there was any question about this goal, there was no flag up, right? I did not see a flag. So no so assistant it was a, referee raised the It was allowed to stand flag. on the, the field. field. Yeah. Okay, carry on. Yeah. Um, so, however, big, bad, ugly VAR rears its head. Um, someone starts drawing lines and stuff on the screen, and you know you're in for a bad time. Um, so the goal was disallowed. Um, when they compared the two lines, maybe Sala was had you know a foot four inches in front of the defender. But you know, at what point does sort of pettiness and rule enforcement and not giving the benefit of the doubt start to ruin the experience here? I mean, I there that's there. the yes, point at which it point. happened because yeah. here's the thing: you were talking about the two lines. You're you're lowballing it. They introduced maybe not introduced was the first time I ever saw it a third line. That, that the commentators even mentioned later on, oh, they brought in the three-dimensional line. There was a vertical line they dropped down. I, don't, I have no idea what that could be doing. I, I don't. Um, um. You know, again, let's, let's just stop for a minute and remember what the offsides rule says. So there's, there's a player behind Salah who's passing the ball to Salah. So exactly in what frame of your, you know, eight gajillion frames per second video are we saying is the moment the ball was passed it is an inflatable ball so when you strike it with your foot your foot's going to go into the ball a little bit and then it it's is going to come off yeah. the ball like is it when you first touch it is it when the ball leaves the foot a little bit of daylight between the ball and you the know, foot you know i don't clearly know clearly the the camera angle that var is using is not capable of zooming in that close to differentiate between all those things now take it what you were saying a minute ago. Like, at what point of Salah are we really looking at? Because we've already established that the timing is not clear cut of when when is that instant that you look at, at where Salah is. And, <clears throat> excuse me, the two lines are bad enough. But if they have to bring in a third line, this three-dimensional, I don't even know what this three-dimensional line is all about. The standard for VAR is clear and obvious error. Yep. If you got to bring in the geometry set to figure out, you know, exactly the instant that the ball was passed and exactly what blade of grass Salah is standing on, it's no longer clear and obvious. Well, another thing too, and and not not to take anything away from any of this, but the player he was being compared to was at least twenty five yards away from him. So at what point yeah. is a four inch difference matter? when you're already 25 yards away from the person right. you're being compared to. You know, uh, this is, for all the people who complain about the NFL's instant replay rules, and there's plenty to complain about, you do see occasions in which the officials basically telegraph to you, the viewer, and the players and, and staff and everybody, yeah, we looked at the replay, the replay suggests that we were wrong, but the call's going to stand because we don't have enough you know, irrefutable evidence from the replay. You know, there's a distinction between the ruling on the field is confirmed and the ruling on the field stands. Stands, right. When they say the ruling on the field stands, that means they looked at the video and they were like, oh, uh, geez, I can't tell, you know, guys. Good luck with that we one. might have been wrong. I don't know. What do you think? That's a call stands. Look at the video. Yeah, we're good. That's, that's exactly what we called. Okay, go back on the field. Ruling has been confirmed. So... NFL officials are willing to say, yeah, we think so, but, you know, our standard is high. Uh, so if it doesn't meet that standard, we're not going to overturn the call. This was a friggin' goal by a guy on our, our captain on our fantasy team, yes. damn it. Yeah. <laughs> it was a 16-point difference whether he scores that or doesn't. But, you know, more importantly, it's a this game ended in a tie, right? Uh, Yes. So it would have been, you know... A two to one game instead of mm -hmm. one one, and I just I can't get past the if you've got to bring in a third imaginary line for this you know geometry problem, again on a camera angle that's like sixty yards away from the action, but and only midway zoomed in. Like if you tried to zoom in on that angle, it's going to get all pixelated on you. So how can you pretend to be this precise? You can't. That's why your standard says clear and obvious. And it seems to me that. You've got an official on the sideline whose job it is to run, basically with the ball, to yeah. eyeball that yeah. offsides call with the flag. 
you could probably have a camera on like a track that, you know, hire a teenager who plays video games. They'll be really quick with the, you know, like a joystick in the in the van controlling this uh, this camera on a track. Do something like that. And, you know, you eyeball it. You don't bring in these imaginary lines and, and all this BS. On the... and, 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 you know, pretend that's truth of any kind. Because it's just right. not, you know. Okay. Um, we're going to run yeah. out of time if I'm allowed to continue on this rant. I'm sorry for taking up your, um, your no, segment. No, no. Um, anyways, the uh, goal is uh, is disallowed. Um, it's nil-nil going into the second half when uh, Jota for Liverpool gets them on the board. Uh, he sure has been a good pickup for them. Oh yeah, um, yeah. What is that like? His fourth straight match with a goal? I think it's his fifth straight. Wow. Yeah, it's a, yeah. I think he had four. Actually, you may be right. He had four home matches in a row with a goal. This okay. one was on the road though. But and a lot of those were games he didn't start. Yeah, where he's playing like 15 minutes and boom, he gets one real early. Um, Salah comes off in the uh, 63rd minute and is clearly frustrated with the decision. He was so, salty. Yeah, he was. Um, but it's good to see that he wanted to stay in and he isn't under the weather or still ill or anything like that. Um, late in the game, uh, VAR wipes off a second Liverpool goal when Sadio Mane is deemed to be offsides. Uh, this one was a little more cut. Yeah, that one though. was legit. Yeah. Um, and then the second sequence that people are talking about would be in the 90th minute. Um, Danny Welbeck for Brighton gets his foot sort of tapped in the box, uh, takes a few steps, and then crumples in a heap. Mm -hmm. um, play continues for a bit, but then uh, the demon VAR is summoned. Uh, it um, really was a soft touch, but because, uh, you know, Robertson's challenge got all foot and no ball, and it was in the box, by rule of, of the law, it's got to be a penalty kick, and a penalty kick for Brighton was issued. So here's where Brighton's going to yep. win the match, right? Big loss for Liverpool. Yeah. So uh, the penalty kick is converted, and the match ends in a 1-1 draw. Oh, I'm sorry. I mixed it. I thought this was something that... Um, yeah, this was the 1-1 draw. Uh, well, no, I was thinking that there was a missed PK in this game. Uh, um, actually, Mope shank, shanks early. one earlier. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, so so half wrong. Yeah. So this is uh, two draws for Liverpool in the last three games, but 1-1 is the final. We also have uh, Everton hosting Leeds. So this is another one of those games that made me irrationally angry from a fantasy perspective. <laughs> um, first, the game. This could have been a lot worse yeah, from a fantasy perspective. It could have. Um, at the end of the first half, Everton gets a corner kick, uh, or a corner kick goal disallowed for obstruction. I think uh, Melier's view was obstructed, so they had a. That's something you don't see very often. No. but we've certainly seen it more than I thought we would. Um, both teams have new, numerous opportunities hitting the woodwork. Offsides is waving goals off left and right. Um, uh, Rafinha for Leeds finally breaks through in the 79th minute on just an outstanding long-range grounder, maybe 25 yards out. 1-0 uh, Leeds is the final. Everton has lost four of five. Yes, they have. I mean, it just it wasn't that long ago. They were at the top of the table, and they yeah. have just sunk like a stone. Um Fantasy-wise, though, here's why it was infuriating. So for position players, we have Bamford, Keane, and Calvert-Lewin all starting. Uh, we also have Melier, but I'll, we'll talk about the, the other three first. I believe they combined for six points across the three of them, which I think they would have gotten had they just shown up and played checkers on the field for 90 minutes. Yeah, but our opponent had Calvert-Lewin, I think. Yeah. Um, it's... Melier got a clean sheet. Yeah, I was going to say that. I mean, um, Melier was the one, you know, starting. 11 points, clean yeah. sheet, four saves. Um, so that was um, – it wasn't a complete waste, but it, – It's so – it feels so risky starting him because of the, the you know, Bielsa style of just push forward, push forward. They never have any defenders back. No. That poor kid is all by his lonesome back there. So you figure the opposing team is going to score, um, but, you know, hand – Hats off to, to Melia for yep. uh, keeping the ball out of the net on, you know, legal plays. <laughs> uh, we're just going to talk real briefly about West Brom hosting Sheffield only because West Brom gets their first win of the year. Sheffield does not get another win and does not score another goal. Um, they suck. Yeah, they're, they're, they're officially off to the worst start in history after 10 matches. One point after 10 matches is the worst start. Yes. So. It's well-earned dubious honor i mean they've been shut out six times this year yeah and uh, they it's not uh totally because of like 
injuries or COVID or anything like that. I don't know what's going on with them. I mean, um, I, mean I think they, uh, one of their defenders might have been out for a little while with an injury, but it's like, you know, defenders, d- you all need to find the net yourselves before you start worrying about defending your goal. Yeah. Um, and, you know, we brought it up last week. Liverpool was was able to perform with half of their starting 11 out. Yeah, I so. mean, you know, Virgil, TAA. Um, Salah was out Sal- last yeah. week. And um, Henderson. Yeah. So well, These are big players. Anyway. Um, Southampton, so on Sunday we had Southampton hosting Man United. Um, so Southampton get two relatively early, one on a Ward-Prowse corner and another on a Ward-Prowse free kick. Just perfect. That free kick was right over the wall, right in the corner. They should put that in the Barclays commercial. They that should. Thing was um, un in, undefendable. You know, the funny thing was uh, De Gea actually got a hand on it, but he was, he was already in the, the goal. Yeah. He was in the goal when he got it, and he was really beat up and battered. Mm. Um, did <laughs> not as beat up and battered as some other players this week. Yeah, um, but then he did like his knee went into the to the post. Yeah, I'm not even sure he came out for the second half. Um, I'm. Might need to check on that, but I mean, he looked down. Yeah. Um, so I'm thinking this one's over, right? Uh, well, Manchester United comes storming back. Uh, Bruno Fernandez gets Manchester United on the board. Um, then Cavani uh, gets the equalizer and ultimately the winning goal for Manchester United in stoppage time. So just a really good performance from him. Yeah, and he came off the bench. Like, yeah. He he only played about you know maybe. Oh, wait a minute. He started the second half. That's right. This wasn't your usual, like, in the 65th minute coming off the bench. But but he didn't start, but he started the second half. Yeah. Um, and it just got to work. I mean, it, Manchester United was down 2 nothing, and they ended up winning 3-2. So. Yeah. I mean, a huge, huge win on the road for them. The, the announcers were saying it was a classic Manchester United comeback from yesteryear. Mm. So um, that's three wins in a row for them. So maybe they yeah. found what they were missing. I don't know. Well... I mean, again, they're not exactly looking great in in these wins necessarily, yeah. and you know they're not they're not beating Liverpool, Chelsea, and Man City at the moment. So that's true. We'll see. Uh, we also have uh, on Sunday Chelsea hosting Spurs. So uh, this is London the, Derby. Yeah, uh, and I would say this was the marquee matchup of the week. Oh yeah. Um, a lot of anticipation on this one based on last year's December matchup that turned very, very ugly and violent. We talked a little bit about that last week. Right. Um, I don't think it turned out as entertaining as anyone was hoping or expecting. Um, it was a little rough, not as bad as last year's. There were six yellow cards, no red cards. There were quite a few fouls, though, at 29. Um, and looking at the secondary stats, Chelsea had you know the edge in this one. Uh, Werner for Chelsea has a nice goal waved off for offsides early. Um other than that, though, there wasn't a whole lot. Uh, this one ends in a nil-nil draw. Another clean sheet for Chelsea's Edward Mendy. Um, again, there was only a single shot on goal for, for Spurs. Um, although I do see Mendy finally gave up a goal in a Champions League game on Tuesday against Rennes. So, uh, Rennes? Who are they? I think a French team. Oh. R- it's spelled R-E-N-N-E-S. I actually had to look up the oh. pronunciation. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Tottenham still in first. By goal differential, so good I'll for take them. it. Yeah, take another take screenshot of the table so I can memorialize this and keep that for posterity. Um, and then the last game I think we'll talk about was on Sunday, Arsenal hosting Wolves. So uh, this was an important match for for the clubs, an important match for our fantasy team, and it's three starting players. But it was a good reminder that there are some things bigger than the game. Mm. Um, so early on, uh, a Willian corner causes a horrible, horrible cranial collision between Wolf striker Raul Jimenez and Arsenal's David Luiz. Um, both going up for a header. Luiz actually coming in from a distance at a high rate of speed. See, and this is the I, – I always, you know, say, oh, did, when did David Luiz get his red card in this match? And, you know, a bit of a distinction. I often say the same thing about Harry Maguire. Um, yeah, this is – this is my opinion. Harry Maguire is, a, you know, a brute, a goon. A, yes. You know, but like just looking. Goon. You looking say goon for, all the I time. do say yeah. goon. David Luiz is like clumsy. I don't think like his heart is in these these collisions. He just 
finds himself in yeah, them all clumsy. the time. Yeah. yeah, that's a good good word for it. Um, and and this was an example. I mean, like, come on, man, you're flying. I give it all for your team. I get that, but yeah, whiz, yeah. you know, maybe you need to be better positioned before the kick if you're going to try something like that. And oh, uh, that was that was a nasty collision. I mean, on on the post game. Uh, Rebecca Lowe like gave the the Joe Theismann warning like if you don't want to see this replay turn away now. Yeah, well it was funny too because um, I had a hard time finding it online. They didn't even include the collision in the normal 12 minute yeah. EPL highlight reel. Um, but both players went down. Uh, Luis seemed to be the lesser injured of the two, but in sort of a questionable decision in my opinion, he was just patched up and sent back on the field. To you play. know that that. Revolutionary War painting with the three guys and the ones like playing the fife, one's playing a drum. I do know that one, yeah. They, like one's got the bandage, bandage on, the on head. his head. That's yeah. what David Luiz looked like. Yeah. And he already has goofy hair anyways, and it's really goofy <laughs> when he's got a head bandage and hair sticking out of it, you know. But I mean there was like when they were when they were tending to him, because he was upright. Jimenez was on his back the whole time yeah, and I'm, carted off. Yeah, so Raul, on the other hand, appeared to be seriously injured. Yeah. Um, knocked completely unconscious, needing oxygen. I think a stretcher took him from the field straight to the hospital. Yes. Yesterday, the update was that he was conscious and responding to treatment in the hospital, so that's good to hear. Yeah. Um, the update this morning uh, says that, that he was comfortable following an operation last night due to a fractured skull. Um which he underwent in a London hospital. So I don't know about you, Mike, but that sounds career-threatening, especially to a striker who's going to rely on those Using close, your head all yeah, the time. Um, I, this is, I mean, I found myself wondering, like, is this going to be a moment that, that begins a case for some kind of gear for these guys to wear? Like, or some kind of rule change about, you know, cl close proximity you know, I mean, I, on a corner, how the heck? I don't you know how you can enforce that. You know, but it's the corners where this seems to be the real yeah. danger. Um, I mean, they they've got everybody, you know, shoved into the box. There's more people up front than usual because they'll bring in the tall defender to try to get the header. And yeah, you can't do anything about the midfield one-on-one, -on -one, sure. You know, competitions, but you know, when you got ten, twelve people packed into a, you know. What would they do? Limit the number of people who can be in the six-yard box? I don't know. I mean, they didn't they do that in basketball with uh, you can only spend a certain amount of time in the paint, yeah. you know? So Yeah, but I think that has – I don't know that that's so much a safety thing. No. Um, um, but, yeah, it's something. People people smarter about soccer than us are probably going to be talking about it because this is yeah. – if, if his career is over, you know, or what have you, I mean – David Luiz was bloody. Like when he was standing upright, they were like dabbing his forehead with a with a towel. There was blood on the towel, um, and, and Jimenez had a fractured skull. So I mean, they they generally these are the sorts of things that brought um, helmets to Major League Baseball. Uh -huh. um, you know, there was there was a time where batters just wore the same soft cap that they wear out in the field when they were batting. Um, you know, I want to say it was like the early 60s because I think Mickey Mantle both didn't and did wear a batting helmet in his career. Um, and, you know, something more recent that we remember, there was a time when the first and third base coach didn't wear a helmet, and now they do, mm -hmm. um, you know, again, for safety reasons on these line drives. Major League Baseball has uh, required more netting and protection for fans you know there there are changes you can make to for player safety and you got to do something uh and, and another note and they were making this point um the 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 studio team what the heck was they let david louise back on the field uh, i don't know that. like where's the concussion protocol on that i mean at the very least it, it should have been some kind of you know, we're taking you off the field. We'll add some stoppage time, but you need to be checked out like a little more thoroughly than on the field. You know, there's going to yeah, be some I, tent. And I'm not in charge there, so but but I would have liked an explanation. You know, yeah. like you know, if it was the kind of thing like, well, he got his jaw mostly or his ear, but he had a bandage around the top of his head. Yeah, that was bad. Um, anyway, so 
back, you know, best of luck to uh, Jimenez and his recovery um, to the game. All the scoring came in the first half. Uh, Pedro Neto uh, gets it started first for Wolves with a goal, which was very good for our team. Yes, that was helpful. Um, Gabriel equalizes for Arsenal. Uh, we released him several former weeks ago. On yeah, our team. F- former player. Uh, <laughs> so, just to, to <laughs> recap, he scored a goal the week before we added him to the team, and he scored a goal a week or two after we dropped him. Yeah, but not in between. Oh, well. um, but uh, Potence gives uh, the Wolves their second lead, and two-one Wolves uh, was the final. That one holds up. So, and I think I read this right. This is Wolves' first win at Arsenal since 1979. So that's I a, heard a stat yeah. like that. Yeah. Um, so Arsenal's only won one game of their last five. Mm. They dropped to 14. So they're the they're the one big six team that doesn't seem to be able to get it together. They're right tough now. to figure so, out. Yeah. You know, they'll, they'll one week. And part of the problem they have, like Obamayang, is absent. He is he is yep. not playing like himself, and it's, you know, goal wise, he's out there. He's he appears to be hustling, but he's just not finishing. And they just signed him to a boatload of money yep. right before the season. So, um, you know, we'll see if if that changes. Uh, real quick before we finish. Uh, have you picked your team? It occurred to me that we'd gone several weeks without revisiting this topic. You know, and I, I was afraid you were going to ask Aha. me this for the last few weeks. <laughs> uh, Why don't you just take uh, Wolves? That's a good team to root for. It, they're, they're exciting. They're fun. They, it is. Um, I will have to say that I was closer before match week one than I am after match week oh. ten. So well. I seem to be getting sort of distance from some of my top picks Especially Brighton. Brighton was a front runner for me, and after watching them for ten weeks, mm. I, I'm I don't like what I see. Disillusioned. Um, yeah. So um, the answer to your question is uh, no. I have not picked one, and I may be further away from picking one than when we talked last. My so, advice: just know. keep it to the big six plus Wolves. You know, let, let that uh, yeah. big six plus Wolves and Everton. Let the, let those be your the, the ones you're choosing from because there's a lot of chaff once you get outside of that I, I mean i might as well roll some die at this point because uh i anyways I'll, I'll i'll be thinking though keep asking all right yeah. well, well best of luck as you you continue yeah. battling an inability to select a team yeah. to root for that's we all have our cross to bear all right with that we will wrap things up uh thank you for tuning in i neglected to say it last week but it's always true we don't have a show if not for you so thank you for tuning in And we hope you join us next week and that you all have a safe and pleasant week. Take care, everybody.